Pickaxe. Folks, welcome to Dungeons and Randomness. Since 2012, myself and an amazing cast of 18 have been telling stories in our homebrew world of Theria. Four different groups explore lost ruins, run for political office, rage against a mad king, set sail to long forgotten islands, and so much more. Every group has a different story and flavor, and every season or arc has a new set of groups and stories all building the history of our world with every single session. Literally hundreds of hours of stories are waiting for you as part of the Pickaxe Network. Check out Dungeons & Randomness wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you around the table. <laughs> that's enough, that's all I'm doing. Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast version of the one life left radio show radio show in inverted commas this week mm. um i'm simon byron i am steve curran and what you're about to listen to is a technical disaster it's been um, a challenge hasn't it Simon? Oh, it's been a challenge but on a day it, it when pro- i'm already hangry <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about your monday thing mm. uh improbably this technical disaster was not of our own making we did our prep you put in your half an hour I put in my half an hour, yeah, Yeah. always. Everything was set up. We fixed the news jingle disaster of last week. Uh, But we've been let down, haven't we? We have been let down by our platform, by um, our opinions, our <laughs> my inability to speak sometimes. I, mean, I had a really rough night last night as well, so <laughs> apologies for that. I mean, you know, let's <laughs> – I think, I think in the podcast – no, have they listened to any adverts already on the podcast – I think no. they have. What do you mean? It doesn't make go pickaxe and then there are some adverts oh, and then we oh, come right, in. Right, 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 yes. So actually it doesn't matter that the show's terrible because you've already listened to the adverts. So thank <laughs> you. Thank you for that. We made 40, 40 odd pounds last month, I saw. So um, thank you. Mm. Don't thank us. Apologies. It's a real uh, it's a real mess this week. Um, uh, but, um, you know, uh, you, you will hear some things. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Pick what you can out of it. Pick what you can. Um, why is Ed joining us now? I have literally no idea. Okay, just as we're about to close the podcast intro, we've been joined by Ed. I don't know. Okay, he's probably what? To tell us it was all a practical joke. He's muted, so we can't he hear him. He's muted, okay. okay. Well, listen, um, we need to get this off to uh, Resonance 104.4 FM. Thank you for persevering if you choose to do so. Next week is our last show before we have the summer break. So if you've got anything that you want to say, get off your chest or commend our ability to deal with, you know, which what I'm going to describe as live radio, which in truth is us recording during a lunchtime on a mon- Monday, but someone's got to stitch this rubbish together, <laughs> um, which you're about to listen to. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Hello, good evening, and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are a video game radio show, and my name is Steve Curran. 
Hello, we are a video game radio show and my name is Simon Byron. How are you, Simon? I'm very well, thank you, Steve. Uh, it's a bright Monday, we've had one quick shower. Mm. Um, I was unable, I was on a meeting and the washing was out. I was unable, I was un- unable to run out and get the washing. Uh, so Kate had to do it, I'm sorry Kate, I couldn't get away. It's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> tricky. Because um, if we were in the office, you mm. wouldn't you, you know you wouldn't get the train home to get the, the uh, <laughs> excuse me. And it was, it was a very it brief is. shower. Did you make co- eye contact with her while she was doing it? Did she shake her head? <laughs> I, I could see that she was doing because sometimes I talk. You know, the garden's on my right. I could. I sorry. I look down that way. She didn't look at me as I was looking at her, but I did look. I had a I had a sorry expression just mm-hmm. in case she did. I am sorry, Kate. Sorry. Do you have do you have a little on air sign for the shed that blinks on when you're doing important radio work? No, I should do, shouldn't I? I have mm. thought about buying an external sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't got to it yet. Okay, interesting. Hmm. Maybe maybe we should both buy on air signs. Uh, good. Well, I've had a I've had a you know interesting week. Uh, got a lot to talk about on the radio show. Uh, a lot of video game related content this week. I went to the PC Zone thirtieth birthday party. Did you party. now? Mm. Did you now? I did I look forward to hearing about that? I, unfortunately, I couldn't make it, and I'll be honest with you, was slightly intimidated by the thought of it. Really? Okay. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll run run you through the guest list when. Please uh, do. When we get to, maybe we'll do that just after the news. And also, you know the uh, gaming device I talked about that I'd ordered from uh, <laughs> from the it's, internet. Well, that has arrived. It's here, is it? Wow! And we you can have do had a, a busy week. We can do an unboxing of that later in the show. Well, sort of. I've already unboxed it, but I can pretend that I haven't. Um, That's what they all do, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, of course, of course. Well, you've got to be prepared. As we do on One Life Left, always a little bit of show prep. How much show prep did you do this week, Simon? Well, you know, I do about half an hour before Mm -hmm. the show. I did it last night. Um, Yeah, I mean, Charles Bot's very good. I'm I'm finding it difficult to influence him in the way that I have done in previous iterations of him. Interesting, okay. He's... (laughs) <laughs> some some new stories he's just written and he's put light jokes in them <laughs> right right from the start so um yeah no he's good so yeah i, I do that i have a little poke around the internet mm-hmm. trying to find some interesting stories um that i think that charles bot will have fun with good, it's good. not just a case of just turning up steve mm, no i know i know that well, like I've we been, used to i've been hard at work um repairing repairing the news shingle that i missed out last week uh, so that's that's ready uh maybe we can maybe we can have a charles bot version 1.2 uh based on your wishes after our summer break which is coming up isn't it this is our penultimate it's, show it's imminent isn't it yes i saw the note did you respond i did uh, to it okay good did Phew. respond we've been booked in for the the new season starting in starting in september but we've got all of august off oh, what are you gonna do well, I'm going to go to Gamescom, as are you. For six weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's camping out in Germany. Uh, going to run a karaoke party over there. 
Uh, it was good to see you at the Mario Kit Develop. We'll talk about that. We've got so much to talk about this. So this much to talk about. And we've and, and Charles Bot 1.1 runs long. Mm, as well. All right, should we get on with it then? Let's get on with it. Me, Charles Bot 1.1. In a move that's got me more excited than a bot at a binary code convention, Microsoft and PlayStation have decided to play nice and keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, despite Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. While the specifics of the deal are as elusive as a health pack in a boss fight, It's clear that this agreement has dodged a major bullet in Microsoft's quest to acquire the Call of Duty publisher. Microsoft's big cheese, Brad Smith, reassured everyone that the game will remain as accessible as ever, despite PlayStation's concerns about it potentially being included in Xbox Game Pass at launch. In other news, a US court has given the green light for Microsoft's acquisition to proceed, dismissing the FTC's attempts to block the deal over antitrust worries. So it seems the game is still very much on. <laughs> very good. Very there were good. T- there were two jokes in there mm. that Charles Bot wrote. Really solid jokes as well. <laughs> good work, Charles Bot. And does this mean it's over? This is this the last news story we're going to do about this? I, I think so. I mean, again, that was that, that was um, that was an illustration that AI doesn't have memory, wasn't it? Because he was, <laughs> he seemed to be excited by this story. What? <laughs> what? I can't They're doing what it. now? Yeah, hopefully that will be the last one. But yeah, uh, there has been a legally binding agreement, Steve. Mm. Now, how tight do you think that legally binding agreement is? Like, what do you think it specifies? Because for me, this feels like a a thing that you can promise to do. You can promise to put a game on a console and that game can be on the console in various states, can't it? Because does it? do you think it says it has to be... 60 frames a second it has to be a good port yeah or how long it's going to remain on it for mm. um details are pretty scant so phil spencer tweeted uh that's sorry a binding agreement not legally mm. crucial word um not included in that tweet oh we didn't say legal yeah um so there's not a lot you can do about that no but he's where he says uh we look forward to a future where players globally have more choice to play their favorite games yeah you can either play the good version or the bad version <laughs> oh you cynic steve hmm. i don't know i just I, I you know i'm not being cynical i'm sure they enter into this agreement with the best of intentions but i don't know how we've seen before every time a game comes out on multiple formats there's the question which is the best one to play on now it feels that uh it would be a misstep from Microsoft to let the best version be the Sony version. Um, and indeed, I don't know where the, <laughs> where the line, the sort of qualitative line lies between someone. Yeah, we're going to put everything we can into making this, the, the PlayStation version absolutely as good as the Microsoft. Well, are you, are you going to make it, you know, bankrupt Microsoft, for example? Are you going to rewrite it? Are you going to put it in a different... You're probably not. And at some point, there's got to be a, well, it's good enough line, right? Ship it. Um, mm. Yeah, somebody should round up the, all the promises that have been made because they've also promised to put it on Switch, haven't they? Have they? Oh, well, yeah. they've promised to put it on, um, on a, a, the in-development Switch, haven't they? 
that's what I read about. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. There was a, there um, was yeah some kind of of misstep in a comms line that said, "Yeah, we've been working on it for the new switch." What? Uh, uh, sorry. I mean, any kind of new. I meant the new switch I've just bought at Argos. We've been working on it for that one. Uh, I, I had a meeting with Nintendo at Develop, and mm-hmm. um, uh, I was like, so I sat down and I said. Um, I said, great. I said, um, is it in is it in that cupboard that's behind you then? And they went, what? And I went to switch two and they went, <laughs> all we've confirmed is that there won't be one this financial year. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I well, are you implying that Microsoft are getting more, uh, or Activision are getting more, um, more access, access than, than I am? Than you? And you're sort of like staring at a cupboard with lustful eyes. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's good news. It's good news for um, ostensibly good news for gamers because everyone wants more access to Call of Duty. It's always been a thing I've been worried about, Simon, is access to Call of Duty. Very hard game to find. Um, <laughs> That's right. And, uh, you know, it's good news for listeners to One Life Left because we may may be able to stop talking about it. Good news for Charles Bot as well, who's, who's used his best two jokes on the final story. Uh, unfortunately, Charlesbot isn't running News Story Two, so let's what? Three. Well, does it matter, or do you want me to urgently upload it? Is there uh, I, is there a narrative I sequence? Remember, I can't remember what it is. No, I, I've got no idea why I, why I just give them numerals in the file names. I don't know. I think it's so that we can watch you react live, Steve. Okay, all right. Well, let's uh, let's give this one a go. Oh my goodness, none of them are working. Right. Let me uh, let me try a quick uh, quick reupload, Simon. Uh, do you have anything more to say about? Uh, about Activision because it's not like we've talked uh, too much about it over the last you know million years no I'm I well I can I can give you some further details about um my Nintendo meeting and um it was held off site Uh, I followed in who I would describe um a rival publisher and let Mm -hmm. me tell you this about them they didn't take their empty cups out of the room after the meeting. Really? That's... Now, I mentioned this mm. to someone else later that day, as is, uh, you know, that's the sort of thing I do, a little mm-hmm. bit of gossip. And someone said um, that if they interview someone who doesn't take their cups away at the end of it, they don't offer them the job. <laughs> really? So I'm sorry, rival publisher, but uh, you won't be sharing any more. You won't be receiving any details off Nintendo, I would have thought. I'm not sure if this is still recording, but uh, I, I now sit alone in the shed. Steve has disappeared, um, leaving me, I don't know, with potentially 48 minutes of solo rambling. And now he's gone. I can tell you all about what he's really like. Um, he's kind, generous, sexy, and back. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> All right, let's stop recording. We'll okay. restart. We'll try yeah. the news. If we can't, then we'll just we'll just talk about. Okay. We'll, we'll scrap the news because we have other okay. stuff to talk about. So, welcome back to Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM and One Life Left. Now, typically, there isn't a break after one news story, is there? That's the news story. <laughs> it, was the only how, it was a big How one, could you possibly it? follow it? Yeah, the the uh, series ending Microsoft um, and Activision story. Uh, how do you follow that? Well, we should have followed that with four other stories by Charles Bott, which have been prepared by Simon. Uh, but unfortunately, our, our, um, our provider, uh, Riverside FM, isn't letting us 
uh, isn't letting us play our news stories. So that, in other circumstances, if we we weren't as resourceful as we are, would be the end of the show. Uh, instead, how are we going to deal with this, Simon? Well, let me try and uh, I'll read out the original source. I won't be able to uh, surmise them in the way, in the manner of Charles Bort 1.1, uh, mm. but um, I will pray to them as, as only uh, as only we can, uh, mm. which is poorly. How are we gonna, do I, shall I say, news story two? Oh, do you know what? I was waiting for a bed. We don't have any. Aren't we all? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. This is good. <laughs> Apologies, everybody. Um, uh, you know, our new uh, system of recording this uh, during the lunch hour um, is falling off, falling off the mm. rails already. Right. All of our news stories this week, um, as uh, every week, are from uh, videogameschronicle.com. And there's one from this morning, uh, which states that new video game handhelds may need to have a replaceable battery from 2027. Uh, a newly passed European... Union regulation means electronic devices, including game handhelds, may need to have a replaceable battery from 2027. As reported by Overkill, the EU has posted a a document explaining new regulations set to begin in 2027, which will require all devices to allow easy access to their battery. This new regulation will likely only affect new products, meaning that if new hardware, such as the Switch's successor, what do you know, videogameschronicle.com? <laughs> They've only said there won't be one this financial year. It's released before 2027. Nintendo won't be obliged to scrap it and release a new version with a replaceable battery once the regulation comes to into effect. However, it does suggest that any new handheld consoles, be that Switch 2, Revisions, or new Steam Deck, or ROG Ally successors, <laughs> will have to make it possible for users to remove and replace the battery. Good news, Steve. I'm really pleased we left the EU. But, you know, look at them coming in with good, more good news. Um, yes, the implication would be that if that was an EU directive, that we would still benefit despite us cutting off our noses. Um, mm. uh, Maybe that's because- what was in the cupboard, Simon. Just loads of batteries. Just of them. <laughs> Guys, look at this. You can replace the battery. What to do with these? Um, yes, that would be a very welcome revision, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I would love the opportunity to put in a longer, you know, better as battery technology gets upgraded, put better battery into my switch, or even one that just doesn't die really quickly now because I've used it so much. So, yeah, that'd be great. And also for cell phones, it's a, it's a big win for everyone. Is there any downside to this? Uh, if you only make permanent batteries, mm. yeah, um, and you're, <laughs> you're going to be furious, aren't Your you? Your bespoke battery company. Uh, <laughs> maybe, that's... maybe not, because uh, you know someone's got to make these replaceable, replaceable wasn't batteries. The, so you just got to was, pivot. Wasn't the original argument about um, keeping batteries permanent effectively to stop people um, unlocking the bootloaders on phones and using them as a way to? Um, access system level stuff if i recall if i recall that had something to do with them Hmm. i mean it sounds like the sort of argument you would make if you make a killing out of making (laughs) non-replaceable batteries true enough i mean to be fair to valve the steam deck does have uh, replacement parts for sale uh, via ifixit however Mm. um the battery itself, I think, is glued in, so it's, it's sort of quite difficult to do. And, you know, actually accessing all this stuff, even when you're allowed to, like upgrading an SSD on the ROG Ally, um, it's tricky. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. It's a terrifying thing. You're supposed to take your shoes off, I, I think. <laughs> like you have to de- 
de-electrify yourself and all this sort of nonsense. It's terrifying. So one that you can pop in, some pop out uh, would be much appreciated. Would you would you naturally have your shoes on in a situation where you were changing the ROG Allies battery? I would. I'd have smart shoes on. <laughs> you have to dress for the occasion. I'd have uh, a, a lab coat, mm. um, a suit and tie underneath, uh, and smart shoes, I think. Perfect. All right. Wait, time what, for. What oh, the hell sorry. would you wear? What would you Me? wear? Uh, well, I, I never, I never want to drip any solder on my clothes, Simon. So I'm <laughs> completely naked as I perform any of these operations. Straight on the skin. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Uh, all news, right. News story three. News, news story three. The Gex trilogy has been announced for modern consoles and PC. Limited Run Games has announced Gex trilogy for modern consoles and PC, developed by Crystal Dynamics, the platform game series starring. A, anthropomorphic gecko called Gex, comprised of three releases, 1995's Gex, 1998's Gex Enter the Gecko, and 1999's Gex 3 Deep Cover Gecko. The games are being brought to Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox Series XS, and Steam using Limited Run's Carbon Engine, a development tool that helps create emulation-based ports of classic games for modern hardware. A release window for the Gex trilogy has yet to be announced. Uh, last year, a demo for what may have been planned as a Gex sequel surfaced online. The Gex Junior demo, which was posted to YouTube by user JustZoot, was added, added to archive.org by someone who found it on an old CDR. According to the user who posted the demo to the archival website, the CDR it was found on was dated 25th of January 2001. Gex then, Steve. Do you have, have any affinity for Gex? I have absolutely no feelings about Gex at all. I, I've never played it. I don't know even if I should have played it. Crystal Dynamics, people like Crystal Dynamics, don't they? They like their uh, platforming work on Tomb Raider. So, yeah, is it good? I worked on it on the on mm-hmm. the PR side. And what I remember about Gex was that it was an absolute bull lake because it had... Just it was launching just after uh, the the wave of mainstream interest around, um, particularly Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. and uh, Lara Croft had appeared um, on the cover of the Face, mm. and um, the people we were working with on Gex said, um, "Can you get Gex the Gecko <laughs> on the cover of the Face?" <laughs> now I thought I thought mm. no. No, you can't. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. We'll um, we'll give it a go." Um, mm. As as you, I mean, yeah, as you probably know, Gex did not appear on the cover of the face. Mm. I was working for the face back then. Was it your idea? Could have. No, absolutely not. I tried to pitch Gex to them. Didn't <laughs> fly. Uh, uh, did you approach them in the end? Did you? Did you? Or did you just tell? people you had I'd, I'd imagine that there would have been a pr activity report that said try calling them but we didn't, <laughs> didn't pick up <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's tricky when you're doing that sort of job isn't it yeah. because you know your job is to serve the client's requests you have mm. to guide them obviously I, yeah. I don't know i doubt i ever asked anybody at the face mm. um and i hope that long enough has passed that i can't get in trouble for admitting that now <laughs> uh yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, was it any good, Gex? I mean, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. 
Looking forward to three fine games coming exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. All right, news story, where are we? Four. Insomniac Games has revealed the PC specs for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and notably, Steve, the game won't require an SSD. Although the minimum specs recommend an SSD, the game will still be playable without one, despite previous suggestions from Insomniac that the game wouldn't be able to run on systems without one. In a video posted on the PlayStation YouTube channel prior to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart's PS5 release in 2021, Insomniac's creative director, Marcus Smith, claimed the game's rift traveling mechanic was impossible on previous systems. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is a game that utilizes dimensions and dimensional rifts, and that would not have been possible without the solid state drive of the PlayStation 5. Smith <laughs> added. The SSD is screamingly fast. It allows us to build worlds and prod- project players from one place to another in near instantaneous speeds it is an unbelievable game changer in terms of what we can now do game gameplay wise where you're in one world and the next moment you're in another we're loading up levels that happen so quickly and in the action that you don't even imagine that this is something that we couldn't do before because it feels so natural this claim was later dialed back somewhat after the game <laughs> launched <laughs> game director mike daly told axios you could make a game like the new Ratchet and Clank on the PS4, but just visually speaking, you'd have to dial back a ton, of, a ton in order to get it to run. So, uh, this I found this story interesting, Steve, because um, usually PC specifications typically have um, a minimum spec for the CPU and the GPU. Mm. Um, it can list um, how much storage the game will need. Mm-hmm. However, um, in this instance, it's uh, the, the type of storage you have will impact um, how the game will play. Uh, the recommended specs to run it at 1080p at 60 FPS um, is the usual stuff, an RTX 2060 or an AMD Radeon RX 5700 uh, with some, you know, some CPUs and some RAM. Um, but in order to get 1080p, you need to run it off an SSD. Mm. I'm, I'm uh, rhyming like Mike Smith. Um, if you don't have an SSD... Uh, it implies the game will be at lower resolution. Uh, 720p was what it will run at at 30 FPS if you're running it from an ordinary hard disk space. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It Look is at where interesting. we are now, Steve. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it? It sounds, it sounds like it's not, but it is. If so, I was the cynic on a story a couple of stories ago. Um, let me play the hypothetical cynic right now because I'm not a real cynic. Uh, but if you were, if you had made a big deal of this game only being available on an SSD and then been forced to dial that back a little bit, <laughs> uh, but then found yourself in a situation where the game was coming out on a format, um, on another format, uh, and you wanted to be played by as many people as possible, but you also wanted to back up the things you had said before. I'm not a a very technically minded game designer, but I believe you could do a statement, something along the lines of if SSD, then 1080p else bit worse in it. Wow. Um, And, you know, maybe there is some veracity in the statements. Maybe there is some truth behind the technological limitations of an SSD. I, I, I guess you have to serve up loads of lo- loads of data very, very quickly. I find it hard to believe there is no way of doing some preloading um, 
or, or some kind of prep that gets around this in a way that those differences of literally milliseconds don't make that much of a difference. But I am not a technical game designer, so I don't know. Over to you, Insomniac. <laughs> All right, news story five. Larry, Major Nathan Hrib, Xbox Director of Programming and the long-standing spokesperson for Microsoft's gaming business, has announced he's leaving the company after 22 years. In an announcement shared to his social media accounts on Friday, Larry thanked fans and colleagues and said he looked forward to the next chapter of his career. After 20 incredible years, I've decided to take a step back and work on the next chapter of my career, he wrote, as I take a moment and think about all we have done together. I want to thank the millions of gamers around the world who have included me as part of their lives. Also, thanks to the Xbox team members for trusting me to have a direct dialogue with our customers. The future is bright for Xbox, and as a gamer, I'm excited to see the evolution. Uh, Larry confirmed that Xbox's official podcast will be taking a hiatus and return at a later date. He's yet to confirm what his next career move will be. Now, big old figure in the Xbox world, uh, Major Nelson. Um, did you ever have anything to do with him, Steve? Did you ever meet him? No, never, never, never had the chance. Did you? Me neither. No, but for, I'm surprised. Why? Why were we not allowed near him? Mm, I don't know. Too much Unless of... he's coming to join One Life Left. <laughs> Maybe. Well, he hasn't announced, and we haven't announced anything either. <laughs> exactly. Make of that what you might, what what you will. Mm. Um, I. It... I, I was like, he was a big deal in the early days of, of the Xbox. Kind of came from nowhere, right? Found himself in this position of power. But things have been quiet for Major N the last few years. I haven't heard nearly as much about him. Um, Jeff Keighley sort of stepped up and become that person from nowhere to to sort of yell about video games, of course, cross format. I wonder whether uh, whether he's looking at Jeff and thinking, could have been me. I could have been the, I could have been the guy there, fronting all of these things, selling access to, to the games industry. That could have been my job. Because I, I, I don't hear anything about him anymore. No. Um, let's have a look at his Wikipedia here. He was um, the director of promotions for Clear Channel Communications mm-hmm. from 1989 to the late 2000, and then he began working with Microsoft. Uh, he was the editor-in-chief for MSN Music, and he moved into the Xbox division of Microsoft in 2003. He was instrumental in the development of Xbox One, Xbox 360, Xbox Live Connect, and the new Xbox experience. Instrumental? He's done well there, from being the editor-in-chief of Microsoft Music, MSN Music, to being instrumental in the development <laughs> of Xbox One. I wonder who wrote this. Mm, don't know. Check those uh, check those IP addresses. Um yeah, I, I, I genuinely. But what's he been up to over the last few years? Like, I, I, it used to be a thing. It used to be a, a sort of intra gaming celebrity. I would hear about all the time, and I genuinely haven't recently. Yes. Uh, well, best of luck, Larry. I wish we had interacted properly. I, <laughs> I made a real idiot of myself down in Brighton. Um, because I was having breakfast and Chris Charla came in. Now, I mean, I've, I have interacted with Chris Charla. He's a man I admire and respect, but I always get excited around these Microsoft personalities mm-hmm. for some reason or not. I don't know why. I'm I'm 51, but I'm like, I'm having breakfast near to Chris Charla. <laughs> and he runs the idea Xbox program. Wow, like, blimey, he's super important. On my way out, I bumped into uh, somebody that I knew and she was with somebody that I didn't. And I went, I went, 
you won't believe this, a Chris Charles in there having breakfast. And she went, what? I went, Chris Charles in there, like, because he's a genuine celeb to me. Mm. Like, and, and she went, what? I went, Chris Charles having breakfast. Then. And she went, so I work with him. And I thought, oh, <laughs> God's sake. She's going to go in there and sit next to Chris Charles and go, there's this idiot. Um, look, like, because I went over and said goodbye to him as well. I just went, look, I'm not going to interrupt your breakfast. I just want to say hello. Hello, goodbye. Yeah. Um, you know, it's good to be doing some work with you, Chris. Did he give you a oh. skateboard? He's always giving out skateboards whenever I see him. He didn't, no. He was tucking into his uh, brecker. Yeah, he could have carried a skateboard just in case. Anyway, that's all the news, isn't it? Yes, maybe that explains why I wasn't allowed near Major Nelson. That's all the news. Because I, I would have been a gibbering idiot. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. One life left, video game news. With me, Charles Bot 1.1. You're listening to One Life Left. One Life Left acoustic, uh, well, a cappella, depending on what Phil does with the edits afterwards. We are One Life Left. We're a video game radio show. We've been broadcasting for 17 years. We do so from two locations in and around London, and then we stitch it together automatically, automatically, uh, with a piece of online software which currently isn't working. So we're unable to fire the jingles, unable to put the beds in, but we do have a lot of things to talk about. Um, yes, uh, but uh, before, we move to, before we move into that, we would like uh, one month of Riverside subscription back, please. At least. At least. least. Mm. Thanks. Uh, so what do, we, what do we have to talk about? We have, uh, we've got Develop to talk about. Maybe that's a good place to do that. Segue on from the news. So how was, how was Develop for you, Simon? Very enjoyable. Um, I uh, it's always nice going down to Brighton. Um, everybody seems sort of super enthusiastic. Uh, I do get this sense that people like to be out and about again because we had it taken away from us for mm. a few years, didn't we? And so mm. the opportunity to um, yeah, just to you know, as, as as my one joke down in uh, down in Brighton was um, yeah, you know, it's nice to get out and about. I rarely bump into people like you in my shed. <laughs> I said that to I said that to everybody I bumped into. It's good. Um, so yeah, it was good. The conference was good. I had some decent meetings. I did two talks. Um, <laughs> I was a bit nervous about doing my talk, um, which I was running with our marketing partners, um, who helped us with uh, the um, some TikTok stuff that we did as well, some content creator stuff that we did. We played up, um, and so the talk was split into two parts. It was uh, why wishlists don't matter, and then sort of you know what you can do to. Um, uh, to help get your game out there uh, outside of obsessing about wishlists. Now, the point was, the opening line of my talk was, of course, wishlists matter. Uh, Thanks for coming to my provocative title. Leave your feedback at the door. Um, I was trying to illustrate that um, wishlists don't mean what a lot of people say that they'll mean, where they try and talk about conversions. And if you've got X number of wishlists and you'll get X number of sales, and um, it simply does not work like that. Uh, You you can never know until the game's launched how well it's going to do. So I was, I showed some numbers and stuff um, to illustrate that point. Now, prior to the talk, I went to the speaker's lunch, which was a, I hadn't been invited to one before, uh, which was a stand about um, you know, bump into people, um, hopefully don't make an idiot of yourself. Uh, but whilst, you know, eating, holding a plate of food, um, a difficult thing to do, uh, a not particularly attractive thing to do, 
I bumped into someone who I hadn't met before, actually, and so we're just having a little bit of a polite talk. Uh, and he said to me, he was a speaker as well, and uh, he said, um, "What's your what's your talk about?" And I said, "Oh, it's about how wish lists don't matter." And he went, "Yes, they do." Now, now that immediately, like, because. <laughs> Uh, I'm terrified of being called out like that directly because mm. I mean I I know what I'm I know what I'm talking about and I've got the data to show it right but I still get what uh, uh, so I said uh, he said of course they do and I said well you know I'm not sure that they that they mean uh, what uh, I mean that's just we, rude like as a well, thing to say well just rude I said um, you know so uh, I said so, so so the thing is you know we uh, launched with under thirty sorry place up sold. Uh, 201,000 copies in its first month and we launched with under 30,000 wish lists and he went that's too few right ignoring the fact we'd sold 200,000 copies Mm. that's too few to launch with well is it because we did and it (laughs) is secondly he told me that um the company that he works for uh, will not launch a game unless it has 200,000 wish lists. He won't, he, they, they will not launch it. So if it doesn't have 200,000 wish lists, they will not launch. They'll just right. keep knocking the release date back and back and back until it does. As if that is the line between mm. success and failure, right? Mm-hmm. And so that he was telling me that's, that's how you have to do it, despite the fact I just oh. shown that I, that I sort of know how to do it. What I thought, Steve, but what I didn't say. Mm-hmm as I was, you know, chomping on a fish cake, was, didn't your company issue a profits warning recently? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, for me, sort of clarified exactly. So they obsess about this number, and the number doesn't mean anything. Yeah, um, but so, this is, this is yeah. honestly my biggest problem with, with conferences and, uh, the, you know, what I would read, uh, what I think is the majority of conference talks, that's probably not true, but certainly the ones that annoy me and that I remember, um, which is it's f- an industry full of people speaking about how they know the secret and they think they've got it right. But it's a kind of survivorship bias that they did a thing and it worked out. And this is the thing they now believe in forever. And this will work for you. When in fact, a great deal of success is luck and timing, right? And things that are out of your control. And sure, there is best practice. There are things you can do maybe to shift those percentages in your favor. But saying there is only one route to success uh, and there are these things that you absolutely have to do and refusing to listen to someone when they say, you know, wish lists. I don't think wish lists are important. You know, here are some other avenues. is enormously frustrating to me. My talk did include uh, two slides with the sort of texty shrug, just going, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. no one knows, no one knows. No one knows, no one knows. And I, I don't know. I, I, I find that's the thing we're talking about. I've, talk, I've been talking about this uh, as relates to a, a one publisher recently, which is after success, you find a lot of people flood in with their versions of the secret sauce of like, we've got to replicate this previous success. And you end up with this huge layer of people who's kind of almost medieval, like, look at this, read the stones and cast the card and go, okay, this is what we do. We've got it down to a science. And then the game comes out and it doesn't do the same. And then you go, yeah, it just just wasn't a very good game. That was the problem. You know, there's not a lot we could have done. Put Gex on the front cover of the face. Success mm. has many fathers, Steve, and mm. failure has none. Mm. Very true, very true. 
Uh, I had a nice time. What about yours? Yeah, it yes. was good. Uh, I was not at Develop. Uh, I was I was there to hang out in Brighton, but I saw a lot of uh, well, as you do every year at that conference specifically, a lot of familiar faces uh, in the usual locations. Uh, I was only there for thirty six hours or so. There to have a couple of meetings. Had a nice evening out on Monday. Um, and then on the Tuesday, I did not run my conference that I've mentioned here because I was getting a bit anxious uh, about Marioki in the evening, wanted to make sure that went okay. And also, because I looked at the weather forecast and it was miserable. And mm. I thought, this is a bad time to put people on the beach. So I didn't do that. Um, instead, went to set up Marioki, which all went well from our end and did not from the pub's end because they couldn't get their speakers working. That was a source of anxiety. With me and uh, the Marioki team, including One Life Left Simon Parkin, who was there to normally hang out with us, but ended up teching the whole show. Uh, uh, yeah, didn't get the speakers running until three minutes to eight, and then suddenly everything was fine. Uh, speakers worked, people started coming in, sang for three hours, and it was brilliant. Like, really, really good. Enthusiastic audience, uh, lots and lots of people. I would say the majority who hadn't seen Marioki before, everyone having a brilliant time, uh, sold about 120 tickets across the night, actually a bit more than that. And um, yeah, uh, really, really exciting and, and, and sort of lays the groundwork for doing the same, hopefully, in Gamescom during... One Life Left Summer Holiday. Uh, it was good to see you there as well, Simon. Uh, the Thanks cr- for having me. I enjoyed it. I've been to America for a while. Blimey, the tech's good these days, isn't it? Mm, very, 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 very good. good. Uh, well done to Ed Jefferson for making that. But so is everything. So is the, the audio and the songwriting's great as well. And the performances across the night, including yours, Simon, your double header, uh, do absolutely Thank brilliant. Thank you. Uh, yes, it's good. I'm, uh, I look forward to seeing you in Germany. Time for the letters. Email, messages, and uh, we've had a couple this week, haven't we? Uh, there's at least one in the Discord, I think. Oh, I don't have the Discord open because I was wondering if that was breaking Riverside. Uh, we do indeed. Uh, so, um, one that uh, Chris had some technical errors getting uh, in, but uh, he did resend the uh, email 39 minutes ago. He writes, uh, Dear team, Lotto Charles and SSG, the front page of the Saturday Guardian ran with a story about an increase in people being referred to the National Centre for Gaming Disorders. Leaving aside the fact that the clinic only opened three years ago and so some natural growth is to be expected, it did make me reflect on how games have changed since I were lad. The article lists some tricks that were employed to keep, keep people playing. FOMO, VIP schemes, loss aversion, but didn't talk about the sheer dogged challenge of early arcade games or the logarithmic levelling up that's had me hooked like the Skinner rat that I am since the early RPG days. Boiled down in silly incremental games, current waste of time, Lone Tower. Tease across time-sinking MMORPGs like uh, DAOC or EVE Online, 
or played out solo through grand narratives like Dragon Age or Baldur's Gate. When social media and online streaming services constantly exploit the neurons and endorphins, when companies hire psychologists to keep us all playing, watching, hashtag getting involved, when the insidious revenue and productivity promise of gamification sold by besuited consultants in the early 90s finally has its needy teeth sunk into every aspect of our culture. Is it any wonder there are people who need help escaping the lure of pay to win? Sure, the industry needs to regulate itself, especially the most egregious loot boxing cases, but it's still it also makes me a little bit cross that the real problems only manifest in video games because they're ubiquitous. There's no national centre for people who can't stop watching shovelware on Netflix because it never gives you the chance to tap out. Or UK support group for them what drink 35 huge coffees a week because that's how you min-max a Pret subscription. I've never tried to defend the addictive qualities of games. They're addictive in unique, delightful and challenging ways and I think we should always be open about that. But it does feel like things have turned a corner and maybe it's time to take stock. Maybe the games industry can be the flag bearer and show everyone else how ethical and moral entertainment industries should behave. Vent over. What's your favourite macro societal change driven by late stage capitalism? <laughs> your cathartic communique correspondent, Chris Conroy. Uh, beautifully written, Chris. I think we've solved the problems with the uh, team at onelifeleft.com address rejecting, but uh, let's assume it that was the reason. It was simply too good. It was yeah. simply too good a letter. We didn't know what to do with it. Uh, let's assume that's the reason we do only have well, one Well, also week. though, Steve, I did note that when he posted his log, it revealed our individual email addresses, which you told me would never go public. I know, that's embarrassing, isn't it? Obviously. So he saw mine, which is uh, the same as my Twitter handle. I was surprised to see that you are HotGirl69. <laughs> oh, Simon, I, I'd, I'd hoped you'd never find out after all of our communications in the past. Um, so uh, what I was going to say about that is it, it's, it, it really speaks to, uh, for me, the the great thing, the, the greatest thing about Animal Crossing, I think, back in the day, 20 years ago, when it, it first sort of emerged into the West, was uh, was how it was kind like that, how it encouraged you to take a break and said, or, or not even that, it wasn't like, you see these half-hearted warnings, right, in games where it goes, shouldn't you have a break now? Time to have it, knowing you're just going to swipe on past it and keep going, right? But Animal Crossing was literally designed that the game was less fun the more you played it. So if you play it for more than 15 minutes, it's less and less to do, and you're encouraged to come back tomorrow. Now, honestly, I think that works in the game's favour uh, as a uh, project with long life, because you come back tomorrow still loving it rather than exhausting yourself on day one, but still ethically designed and a beautiful piece of work. And then if you look at, uh, you know, that's continued with Animal Crossing to the present day. If you look at Disney Dreamlight Valley, uh, it's a game which has so much love and so much quality as well. And there's lots of joy in it, but has been designed with that mechanic to trap people, that refined, like, okay, this is how brains work. This is what we're going to do. We're going to keep keep them um, keep them in this loop for seven, eight hours just chasing this stuff and it's bleak it, it, you know, to a point we do know too much about this stuff that we can refine it and, and maybe that's why I'm more interested in games with rough edges um, and not these things which have been focus grouped and uh, cynically produced to a point where they are, yes, incredibly addictive but not um, in a positive way 
Do you think um, Disney Dreamlight Valley is like that because of the loop, or because it's 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 always preparing itself to go free to play? I, I, well, I think both. The, like the the loop is designed because it needs ultimately needs to be a free to play game, you know, and it wants people to play all the time. Um, but it, it's weird coming at that with where it's a game that you have to pay for, isn't it? Kate has just started mm. uh, um, doing what you're doing for your daughter for hours, um, mm. you know, just trying to open up interesting bits. And the amount of work that Kate is needing to do while mm. she's doing something else, just to grind through something that you can then show a five-year-old. Yeah. Um, it's really, yeah. It's but just, it's, it's uh, designed for grinding, whereas grinding is literally not possible in Animal Crossing. Or You know, you, you run around, there's nothing to tidy up. There's nothing to, uh, you know, to there's no rocks to hit or whatever. But in Dreamlight Valley, you do a circuit around and already more leaves have fallen on the ground. And it's just, it's upsetting for someone who likes to tidy in video games because there's always more leaves and that's a bit too much like real life. But um, yeah, it's upsetting as someone who also cares about game design and can see straight through that to to why they're doing it because they keep you there. There is always one more little task to do. Um, And yeah, that's a free-to-play mechanic and it it doesn't create a less enjoyable experience. Arguably, if enjoyment is addiction, then it's a more enjoyable experience, but it's certainly, for my mind, a bleaker one. Did you read the front page story? Which which one? I've read many. Oh, about, you know, the games game addiction clinic. Oh, that there were 300 people referred to for addiction or something last year. It's just an easy front page story, isn't it? Mm. You've got a technology that separates the gen- the generations and mm. you want to worry one about what the other is up to. Yeah, um, it, it felt like a complete non-story. I thought 300 isn't that many. <laughs> Given the number of people who play games, and there are definitely far more people than that with a problematic addiction to video games. Um, but yeah, you can publish that number and it seems like a lot to people who don't still don't really grasp how great gaming is and also you know gladly maybe luckily don't grasp how disappointing it can be sometimes as well that's the only letter i can see steve same here if you've got letters for one life left uh, you can email them somewhat safely to our email addresses hotgirl69 at g no <laughs> to so what's our email address team at onelifeleft.com uh, or just if you want to safely be assured they're there Go on to the Discord, which you can find at hello.onelifeleft.com. Uh, go on to the Discord and post your letter in the mailbag. Here's Simon making the noise of a jingle. Did it, did it, did it, did it. It's more of a bad Simon, but it'll do. We're going to get new jingles soon. I know I've been oh, saying that for a while, but we are. Who needs them? Who actually needs them? going to do that? Um, I've no idea how much of the show we've got left. I reckon about 13 minutes or something like that. Maybe okay. Oh, sorry. We're not so we're not going straight into reviews, are we? No, apologies. We've got a couple of things to talk about. Let's do those. Maybe I'll do the. Maybe I'll chat about the PC Zone night in the podcast intro. Have we got time for that? But I can do my unboxing if you want of the device. So here it is, Simon. Okay. This is the thing I ordered from the internet. It's a SF two thousand. Of course uh, it is. <laughs> what should we call it? By Datafrog. <laughs> uh, futuristic. It says on the right. front, handheld game console. Uh, what would you describe it looking like, Simon? That, that... It's quite a, quite a grainy image. Um, oh, okay, so 
but it, it looks like an old um, uh, Game Boy uh, Advance, uh, the side one that they did, mm. uh, with an extra analog um, mm-hmm. con- uh, bit on it. Well, let me unbox. Uh, here we've got a wire to connect it to the TV. Here we've got a, um, a, a USB stick with an SD card allowing you to load all of the ROMs that you legally own. How uh, else are you going to get the ROMs from the ROM cupboard into the device? Well, I'll the, tell you how you'll the get device. them. You'll get them with the 6,000 of them that are built into the uh, device. And there's, okay. there's the thing itself. It looks quite nice. It looks like a Super Nintendo controller. Yes, it does. Uh, of old. Actually, Super Famicom, I guess, because it's got the purple buttons. Wait, no, that's Super Nintendo, isn't it? Because it's the US version. I can't remember. Yes. And it's got a screen, a three-inch screen embedded in the middle. And it's got okay. quite a solid feeling. D-pad feels nice. Buttons feel nice as well. Analog stick doesn't feel terrible. On the bottom, you've got a USB-C charger. Uh, you've got a contrast... Uh, no, sorry, a volume control... And, uh, you know, AV out. If in case you want to connect it to your TV, you can buy an optional second joypad, Simon, if you want to play these games two-player. And that's where my review ends, because it doesn't work. What? just doesn't come on, Simon. It came all that way. doesn't charge. <laughs> doesn't uh, Is that right? do anything. So, um, yeah, I'm going to... Uh, my second complaint of the day, after a letter to Riverside FM, saying what is going on why can't we use your equipment uh is to the provider to say yeah it doesn't work and we'll see whether we get my 15 quid back well i'm sorry to hear that what were you looking forward to firing up first advance wars it's always advance wars which i do genuinely own on uh, multiple <laughs> on lots and lots of formats so i'm gonna play that i was gonna play uh mario brothers because um actually you know if we had more time today i would take talk about the mario brothers lego which uh, I've owned for a couple of years now, the the Super Mario Brothers, but only this week got out to play with Alice, and it's brilliant. It's really good. Have you have you used it before? Yes, uh, we introduced it to Ramona too early, so it ended up in pieces along with all the frozen Lego and all that sort of right, stuff. Right, so right. I yeah. had to save Mario, and he uh, he lives in my shed. I love the way he falls asleep when you lie him down. It's adorable. Uh, I thought all of that stuff was great. I was really surprised because I only bought it because I just saw it discounted. And it's been, you know, every time I see a discounted set, I buy it. So I've got about eight of them in my cupboard. Uh, I'm really, really surprised about how good how good it's, it is and how fun it is to design courses in it and play with it. Seven out of ten. Good stuff. Uh, time for the reviews? Time for the reviews. Have you- <laughs> time for the reviews? <laughs> do-do, do-do, do-do. Very good. What have you been playing this week, Simon? I can't do them all. I can't talk and... All right. Think the jingle's running too loud. I'll just fade it down. Fade it down. There we go. All right. What have you been playing, Simon? I've been continuing on with The Last of Us, haven't I? And it was... um, Well, even Kate said she said... um, sounded like you weren't enjoying it and i went yeah not really um but uh i am i'm sticking with i think i mean it's still it's still it's still still been frustrating me i've had to knock the difficulty down because it has two or three moments in it where it suddenly gets a bit hard um and you know it being a naughty dog game um you know that that means that you are 
retrying certain bits over and over and over again. And even when I knocked it right down, Steve, there were a couple of times I had to, a couple of times I died. But I feel like, and I've been feeling like this for the last <laughs> few sections, I'm quite close to the end. Mm-hmm. And I do want to watch the TV show. So I, um, you know, I've been holding off doing that until I'd played through the game. So um, that's where I am at the moment. And uh, yeah, it's been, you know, as, as a game, it's, it's, it's sort of interactive, you know, it has a <laughs> skill that I'm not very good at, but you know, it's yeah. very, very linear yeah. as a story. It's, you know, it's not doing anything groundbreaking oh. in terms of where it goes. You see the development of the characters and, you know, what you need to do to survive Stee. And then I've just encountered like the obligatory, really grim bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, where who are the monsters, Steve? <laughs> who are they? <laughs> um, if only you could talk to them. Well, they tried talking to somebody, said mm. some pretty nasty things. Um, but yeah, I feel for sure I'm at the last section now. And given that this is The Last of Us Part One, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to see it through. Uh, it's it's fine. It, it is fine. It's very very pretty. Yeah. Um, very Agreed. well. Um, uh, yeah. Just very h- highly produced. It's so well um, made, isn't it? For the yeah. three hundred million they spent on it. Or exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know how yeah. you how you can squeeze that out of millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's it's incredibly. Everyone who worked on that game. Uh, I mean, the majority of people who worked on that game who produced that game like absolutely beautiful like so good at their jobs intimidatingly so but yeah yeah, I remain completely unimpressed with the game as a piece of interactive entertainment and completely cold to the story which to me does nothing that many movies don't do substantially better Uh, 7 out of 10 7 out of 10 what about you Steve? Well, uh, I've been playing Super uh, Super Mario Galaxy on the Wii still, st- just like full of joy, uh, somewhat the opposite of The Last of Us, I guess, so interactive and so playful and so fun and so full of discovery all the time, just brilliant moments, uh, also has a completely pointless story uh, that leaves me cold, but you don't care in Mario because the interactive parts are so good. Um I have also been playing a game called Backpack Hero. Oh, yes. Did you see my name in the credits? I did not, because I haven't reached the credits. Um, I I don't know if I have mentioned this on the show before, because I've had it installed on Steam for a while, and I've definitely played it before, and didn't initially get on with it. And so dropped out after, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. But it sounds like my sort of thing. It's a roguelike, it's a deck builder, um, and it's got a cute sorting and organising almost puzzle-like mechanic on top of it. Um, it, To describe the game briefly, you pick a character, a cute character, and you go through a dungeon and you collect items which you have to arrange in your backpack and you use those items to defeat enemies Again, as I said, it's a deck builder very similar to Slay the Spire and probably, uh, although I don't have the timeline, a product of that big, oh my god, everyone's building deck builders explosion of a couple of years ago, except for it's a slightly different take on that. 
And I do think the backpack mechanic works like really well. Like when it works, it works. And you feel really great from getting the right items, arranging them and solving these kind of almost uh, evolving emergent puzzles that come out from the items you've collected that, you know, design terms, I think it's, it's a smart thing. But it falls victim to a problem that I've seen in uh, increasing number of games these days, which is it's too complicated too soon. Like the number of items and the number of systems overwhelmed me. And I think that's probably why I dropped out in the first place. Now, I, I've bullied through it a bit this time and got to a point where, yeah, I understand a little bit of how one character plays and what I should be trying to do with that character. But still, there are objects thrown up and things thrown up all the time that I just don't understand. And I'm forced to go, okay, I'm just ignoring that. I'm not going to care. And little emergent situations, it's just, it opens up too quickly. Um, and I, I don't know that I'm going to persist much further because there's just too much there. And that's a weird thing to say, right? Like, it, it, really, you want these situations where there are uh, games with so much to do as a player. But this one, like, it's not held me by the hand enough. It's not guided me through. And to that extent, I think it's lost me. I love the idea. Uh, and I love... Uh, the things that fall out of the idea, but there's almost too much there. Seven out of ten. Is it, is it out of early access yet? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think that's why I saw it. Maybe it is. It popped up somewhere uh, that reminded me to give it another go. Um, Games yeah. that Simon's kickstarted. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 such a such a smart idea. I think also it could do with better language i think sometimes the things it doesn't explain what things do well enough um which is something i've been thinking a lot about with my game which i think also doesn't do that so it's been really really helpful uh, from a game design point of view if it's not out of early access every chance that all of those things i've talked about will be fixed so yes well you're very welcome steve according to kickstarter.com that game couldn't exist without my backing <laughs> Well done, you. Um, are we running out of time? I have no idea. We are. We are. I think uh, we're going to have to hold the pieces on chat to next week's show. Okay. Cause, all right. All right. Good. We will do that then. Uh, thank you, Simon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Steve. All right. Uh, we've been One Life Left Acoustic. And until next week, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>